Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. What I'm about to say is going to sound nonsensical to most people if they are having any kind of marital distress. But I'm telling you that what I'm about to say, even though it will sound like it's exactly backwards, is the thing that you need to understand if your marriage is in trouble and you want it to be salvaged. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to this program where it's Relationship Radio with Dr. Joe Beam. I'm going to be talking. That sounds like Sheldon saying foaming flag, but Dr. Sheldon Cooper, doesn't it? <laughs> We're going to be talking about a lot of things today, and I'm going to take your calls live. You can call in at 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. And if you wish to speak to me, when you hear the answer, press the number one, and that will put you in the queue to have your call screen so that hopefully I can talk to you on the air. But before we get to the calls, I'm going to tell you that thing that probably sounds as if it's exactly backwards, but I'm telling you based on 26 years of experience and working with marriages in trouble, plus my own marital difficulties back in the day. If you want to salvage a marriage that's in crisis, the worst thing you can do is to focus on saving your marriage. (laughs) I told you it wasn't going to make any sense. I told you that you would hear it and think, what in the world is that man talking about? Well, trust me, because I'm basing this on working with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of couples and seeing the great success that the people who would come through our workshops have saving their marriage. as to the great failure of other people who tell me the stories later about what they did, what they tried, and how it backfired on them and actually caused their marriage to fall apart. So why is it true? Why is it that if if your marriage is in trouble and you really want to save it, why is it that focusing on saving a marriage won't work and is the worst thing that you can do? Well, picture it this way. If you're driving, just picture this in your mind. If you're sitting somewhere with a pen and paper nearby, you can draw it out. But draw a line from left to right. And then on the far side of that left line, write the word independent. And on the far right-hand side of that line, write the word dependent. Now, stay with me a minute or two, because this is going to make some sense if you stay with me. If I am independent of another person, that means that if that person ceases to exist or goes away, it will have no effect on me at all. And so I picked up the newspaper in some major city and read about the people who had died in the obituary columns. It really wouldn't influence me or affect me. Why? Because their ceasing to exist or going away has no effect on me. That's what it means to be independent of another human being. But on the far right-hand side of that line, dependent, and that's when a person is in the situation where they feel that if the other person ceases to exist or goes away, that they won't survive. How can I live without you? How can I survive? How can I make life worthwhile? It, it has to be you in my life for me to have any valuable life at all. That is unhealthy. 
Because those people who think if the other person ceases to exist or goes away, I will cease to exist or go away. That unhealthy relationship, if indeed they are both functioning adults, is as unhealthy as it can be because it makes you so dependent upon the other person that you lose your identity. And that you wind up doing things that are clinging, controlling, manipulative, coercive, which in, in essence drives the other person away. As a matter of fact, the word I was looking for there was inevitably drives the other person away. In the middle is this thing called interdependence. And interdependence basically says this. Interdependence says I am an independent human being who has chosen to be dependent upon you. Therefore, if you cease to exist or go away, I will hurt. I will mourn. I will miss you, but I will survive. Now, you might be thinking, Dr. Beam, how does that apply back to what you said earlier, that focusing on your marriage, focusing on saving your marriage is the worst thing you can do? Yes, because almost always it pushes people into the dependent realm on the far right-hand side over there. And the things they do while dependent are things that they do out of desperation. And almost always will drive the other person further away from you. you. You need to understand this, okay, that you are not in competition with whatever it is or whoever it is that is pulling your spouse away from you. Listen to me. If your spouse is moving away from you because they want to be with another person, then you might be thinking, I'm in competition with that person. You are not. If your spouse is moving away from you because they want to live a different lifestyle that they can't live by being married to you, and you'll think that lifestyle is your competition, it is not. Whether it's a fantasy, a lifestyle, a person, whatever it might be, that is not your competition. I don't even like to think in terms of competition. There really is no competition. But if you want to use that language, the only person you need to compete with is you. And so people who focus on saving their marriage become desperate. They cling, they control, they manipulate, sometimes they lie, and they almost always come across in such a way that the other person sees them as now being somehow a weakling. Yeah, really. And there's not anything, there's nothing in that at all that is attractive. Seriously, people are drawn toward confidence. You might be saying, so, so what's the answer then? If I shouldn't be dependent, if I shouldn't be desperate, what should I do? Believe in you. Seriously. And if you want the marriage to make it, quit focusing on trying to save the marriage because you'll inevitably wind up keep doing the wrong things. Instead, you focus on you becoming the very best you that you can be. We call it PIES, P-I-E-S. It stands for physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. You become the best person you can physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Now, I don't have time to explain that in great detail because I've got people waiting to talk to me on the phone here, and I want to answer their questions. If you want to know more about that, let me give you a suggestion. Go to PIESUniversity.com. That's P-I-E-S, university, all big one long word, piesuniversity.com. And look for the podcast there called It Starts With Attraction. There are several episodes there, one of which is with me, when there are also episodes with other people who are, quote, experts, end quote, in marriage and various aspects of the pies. So go there and look at that. Listen to those things, watch those videos, hear those audios, and, and you can begin to learn about how you can become the best you you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, or spiritually. 
Also, if you wish, you can call and talk to us about our 10-week online course that will help you get through that in even more detail. It's totally up to you. But you understand desperation leads to the wrong actions, the wrong statements. It's, it, you'll blow up sometimes and your temper will explode and you'll think, oh, I need to control that. And sometimes you'll beg and whine and plead and the other person rips themselves away from you and runs as fast as they can when you do. And sometimes you'll actually wind up listening to people giving you all kinds of advice. They mean well, but their advice is terrible. And by listening to them, you're going to wind up doing more and more wrong things. So quit focusing on trying to save your marriage and start focusing on you becoming the best you that you can be. Now, if that still doesn't make sense to you, go to our website, marriagehelper.com. It's full of articles that are free, audios, different things there. Or even yet, go to youtube.com slash marriagehelper. Hundreds of free videos there. YouTube.com slash marriage helper. That's marriage help ER marriage helper. One long word. Or if you want to get even more than that, you call us. You call us at our toll free number, which is 866-903-0990. That's 866-903-0990. And ask to talk to one of our client representatives and they can tell you every resource we have that can be of assistance to you to help you salvage your marriage. Not by focusing on salvaging a marriage, but by focusing on you. By the way, if you go to that blog talk, I'm sorry, this is blog talk. If you go to that YouTube channel, marriagehelper.com, be sure to subscribe. Please do that for us. We have hundreds and hundreds of videos there for you that are free. So do something for us in return. Subscribe. It helps us with YouTube. It helps us do more things there. And so I ask you to do that because when you start working on you the right way, becoming the best you that you can be, you increase your chances dramatically of salvaging your marriage. You decrease the likelihood of being used, being walked on, being treated terribly. Well, I'm sad what I had to say about that. <laughs> Let's go to our first caller today. We're going to go to the great state of New Hampshire right here in the good old USA and talk to Sophia. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Hi Dr. Bean. How are you today? I'm good. I hope you're doing good well as well. <laughs> I'm rocking and bopping. So what may I do for you, Sophia? So um, I am the wayward spouse, and um, D-Day was April 23rd. And <laughs> I was involved in a 10-year affair. I've been married for 30 years, and mm-hmm. um, I was involved in a in a 10-year affair, and for the most part, it was emotional. For the first mm-hmm. five to six years, it was emo- uh, emotional. And then mm-hmm. it turned into something sexual. He does live um, out of state. And so we would meet up once a year. Um, my husband was, has, had asked me about it several times throughout the year if I um if I was having an affair, and I always denied it, of course, and I felt guilty and remorseful. What but, made him think um, that you were having an affair, Sylvia? What What led to those questions? I, I guess, um, you know, just it, it just is, is gut instinct, and um, you know, I was always on my phone, even though we there was really no communication while I was at home. It was or while I was at home with my family. It was mostly when I was at work. 
So did your husband feel that you were distant from him, that, that something was coming between the two of you? I think he did, even though we had okay. a good, you know, we have a good life and, um, okay. you know, we traveled a lot. We, uh, okay. we did things so, a lot. Our so finally this older, thing so turned, uh, okay. So finally the thing turned sexual and you were just caught this year. Is that correct? Or you caught or did you I, confess? How did it happen? I was caught this year. He, um, he went on my computer and he found, he found a couple of emails, um, back from 2011 when it still wasn't anything you know, mm-hmm. anything um, but emotional. And mm-hmm. um, so I confessed. And okay. But it took me, it actually took me three D days to confess. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, the second one was just, you know, a, a, just a little bit more information. But the third one, the third one, I actually said to him, um, you know, I woke up one morning and I said, I just have to tell you everything. I said, it's either going to ruin okay. our marriage or it's going to help us move on because I was just feeling so guilty. Tell me again when that conversation happened. When was that? That the last one, the full disclosure was mm-hmm. um, the, the first or the se- the second week of May. The second week of May. Okay, so relatively recently. So how are you guys doing now, you and your husband? Well, we're doing good. Um, immediately after the April disclosure. Um, we started marriage counseling and individual counseling. And um, we've been, so we've been having counseling every week since then. And, um, and we watch all the videos, you know, we listen to your, to your podcast in the car. We listen to marriage helper, fair recovery, every video that there is, we've seen, we've bought books. And it seems like we're doing well. Um, okay. He's just Good. stuck on the 10 years. He says it was a choice that you made. You could have at any mm. point, you could have stopped and you didn't. And because right. of that, I think there's ambivalence. He just does not, mm-hmm. he cannot give me an answer. I, I mean, I think it's give you an answer like to what? Getting... So you say they can't give an answer, an answer to what? But he gave himself a date, which he won't tell me what the date is of whether or not he's going to stay or he he's going to stay in our marriage or he's going to divorce. Okay. okay. So and how may I help you, Sophia? What can I do for you? How do I get him past the ambivalence? I mean, I think we're doing well. We had a great weekend going away, you know, not going away, but doing things all weekend long, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, Whenever I see him down, I'm always asking him, are you okay? I'm listening to what the videos say, Ask, you know, bringing up the marriage, not trying to shove it under the rug or anything, Ta- mm-hmm. you know, talking about my feelings, his feelings. I write him a letter every night about how mm-hmm. our day has been. But I just feel like he can't say, you know, I'm going okay. to, we're going to make this work. We'll make this work. Okay. And so are you asking me how to get him to, con- to uh, tell you he's going to work? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. How do I get past the ambivalence? How does he get past okay. it? How does he get well, past the It's going to take years? a period of time because of the fact that, the, the, think about it. First of all, he's hurt. And when we look at the things that lead people to hurt in relationships, it has to do with things such as loss. And, of course, he does have a sense of loss. He lost what he thought he had. And there's a sense of, of violation of trust. 
And of course, obviously that occurred. And when you start looking at those kinds of things, that leads to a great deal of pain. And pain almost always then manifests itself in some kind of anger. Now, some people are the personality where that anger is sharp, like they have mean things to say. They'll maybe yell at you. They may put their fist through a wall, those kinds of things. Other people handle anger differently. Some of them kind of sort of swallow it, if you will. Like I can tell you that I'm hurt, but I'm not really going to deal with the anger out loud with you. And so you've got that spectrum all across the board there. But since you mentioned the fact that he finally found everything out in May, we're talking about two months. Okay. Is that right? June and July. Yeah, that's two months. And that's a really very short period of time. And so a couple of recommendations I would have, and of course it's up to you. And if you guys are seeing a marriage counselor, I'm certainly not trying to, uh, change anything there. And I'm not going to try to go against whatever advice or counsel you're getting from somebody else, because that's the worst thing you can do is get contradictory advice or, or suggestions from people who are supposed to be the professionals. And that can definitely lead to difficulties. But I'm not going to recommendation. Oh, I can't talk today. My recommendation then would be this. I would not continue to bring, if it were I, I would not continue to bring up the pain. I would not continue to talk about the things unless he wants to talk about them. And so if it were I, I would say something to this effect. And I'm happy to tell you whatever you want to know. My suggestion there is, though, don't answer questions. If you can help it, don't answer questions that create a visual. Those things are always bad. But I'll tell you anything that you want to know. And, and rather than me continuing to bring it back up, what I'm going to do is just say that I'm, I'm wide open. I'm not going to hide anything. We're going to put this thing back together. But, but I don't know that I might be causing you pain by continuing to bring things up. Therefore, when you ask a question, yes, we'll talk about it. If you want to talk about it any time, absolutely we will. But, you know, I'd suggest that you don't keep bringing it up because here's what will happen. Whenever the spouse who has been the the one who violated the covenant, the one who strayed, the wayward spouse, I think you said. If you continue to tell the other person about these things, hoping that somehow they see how penitent you are, and I get it. I understand why you would want them to see how penitent you are. After a while, you can kind of program their brain that that's all they're thinking about because it appears it's all you're thinking about. And I'm not sure that that's a healthy thing to do. As a matter of fact, my indication would be it's not. And so rather than continuing to talk about those things, let him lead. And if he asks you if you're sorry about what you did, say yes. But I would also recommend that you do not continually apologize. Now, you didn't say you were, but I would recommend that you do not continually apologize because by doing that, you still program their, name, their, their minds to be thinking about the negatives. So be confident. Be sorry for what you did. That's good. I'm glad that you are. I'm glad that you're so open. I'm glad that you're being transparent. But it's still just two months into it. This man has a right to grieve for a while and to go through that sense of loss for a while. And so don't push here. Give him time. Give him time to go through these on his own. And now we got to go to the great state of Missouri and talk to Allie. Hi, Allie. How are you today? Hi, Dr. Beam. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. I have two questions for you. My husband's okay. been in an affair for 10 to 12 months. Um, mm -hmm. I filed for divorce back in December because this is a second affair. He hmm. came to me the, uh, about two or three days ago, says he doesn't want a divorce. He loves mm -hmm. me and he wants his life here with me. 
He mm-hmm. lives with the LO. Um, she's about four hours away. And so he stays with me two to three days a week and stays with her the rest of the time. He mm-hmm. wants his life with the LO also. And he, mm-hmm. one question is, um, he wants us to interact, me and the LO, which is not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get him to the workshop. Um, mm-hmm. He has really opened up to me about her saying that she has hit him several times and gave him a black eye several weeks wow. ago. Yes, so my, wow. I have two questions, yes. Okay. Why, one would be, why does he want me and his LO to interact? And the second one would be, why does he stay with someone that is physically abusive to him? And he's told me two times about her um, punching him several times in the face. Wow. So let me ask a question or two, if I may, Allie. Do you know if he ever had a period of abuse in his childhood where he was treated physically badly? Yes, he did. He His mother left him when he was five. Um, mm-hmm. and so I do know that he's had a traumatic childhood experience. And mm-hmm. I am his fifth wife. You and I have talked before. Um, uh-huh. and, and he is an alcoholic. Um, mm-hmm. So... But he's doing what he loves to do. She lives on the lake, so he gets to go fishing all the time with her and then comes home to me where he goes to work four hours away. So, yes, I do not understand because I've never struck him. So I don't understand why he would ever allow this person to do that. Why would he not get away from her? And, um, I mean, I'm almost a master at my pies. I've been doing this for a long time. And mm-hmm. followed you a lot. Um, so I have a desire to save my marriage, but if it doesn't mm-hmm. work out, then I'm willing to walk. So could you please answer those two questions for me? I wish I could. <laughs> but you understand, Allie. Uh, if I may ask, how old is he? 50. He just turned 50. To turn 50. You know, I, I understand why you would ask the question. I understand why you want to know. As a matter of fact, I don't even know the man, and I want to know, too. Why? Why would he want to stay there and take that kind of abuse from her unless somehow, somehow in his childhood, being mistreated, somehow got mixed up in his mind to also being some kind of a manifestation of love? Now, that can happen to people in their childhood, believe it or not. And and when it does, these people often in adulthood seek out people who treat them badly because they kind of got the wires crossed back then, if you will. Now, I don't know your husband, so I cannot make that diagnosis, but that's what it sounds like is happening here. And he gets some benefits. If he loves to fish, he gets to fish. Now, the other question is what intrigues me even more. He wants the two of you to talk. So let's just talk about that for a minute. Why do you think he wants you to do that? So that he could have the best of both worlds. He has me here and her there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like if I can just get the two of you talking, maybe somehow you'll start understanding each other. And maybe somehow you will each tolerate me being involved with the other. That's what it sounds like. Now, I can't tell you that for sure because I don't know your husband. But if indeed that's what he's thinking, and I I heard the strength from you, young lady, where you said not going to happen. And I think that's what you exactly should be saying. Not going to happen. I'm not going to interact with her. We're not going to become friends. This is not going to happen. 
No way. The fact that he's been married five times, is he a man that just escapes reality often? Yes, sir, he is. Hmm. He does. He hmm. um, he has absolutely, I mean, he's even trying to get her to go to my daughter's baby shower, and it's oh, like, good, no, great. that is not. That is not happening. No. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. That's that's just uh, on the on the, the realm of unbelievable, isn't it, Allie? So this man's not thinking rationally. He's not dealing with life. He tends to avoid reality. I hope he comes to his senses. And am I hearing you say that if he did come to his senses, that you would still take him back? If he only gets help for the the. Uh, traumatic childhood and his lifestyle. If not, then I'm going to walk. I don't blame you. I mean, there comes a time when you finally have to say, you know, I I can't be a psychiatrist. I can't be his mom. Uh, You know, I I can only be his companion, his wife. And, you know, we're so pro-marriage, Ellie. We we fight in every way we can to help people save their marriages. But I hear you being very rational. I also hear you being very loving because you're saying, I would still take him back, but... I have learned a couple of things need to happen if it's going to come back. And it's not just so that you'll accept him back. These are things that he needs to do for himself. Yes. So, Allie, I'm impressed with you. I think that's thank very you, strong, young lady. I think that's extremely strong. And, and thank you for not talking to that woman. But, Allie, and, unless you. he decides to get some kind of help, I don't know where he goes from here, do you? No, I do not. Thank you, Dr. B. I appreciate it so much. Okay, Ellie, you take care of yourself, young lady. Hmm. Wow. That's one of those situations where it's just, just, just shake your head. But unfortunately, we at Marriage Helper, that's the organization for which I work, uh, MH International, and Marriage Helper International, that's what we're changing our name to soon. And as we do that, sometimes you just still shake your head, even though we hear these kind of stories all the time. And so now what we're going to do is go down to the great country of Mexico. And speak to Debbie. Hi, Debbie. How are you today? Hi, Dr. Bean. How are you? I am rocking and bopping. How are you, Debbie? I'm doing really good. Thank you for asking. Um, How may I help you for, today, my friend? Thank you for um, taking my question. Uh, okay. My question is that I don't know what to do with my husband's little drops of hope that he gives me, he is living with a girl that um, he he's having an affair, even though he says that it's not, it it was, it's not an affair, that uh, it just happened organically, and then the sexual thing happened. And so for me, that means, okay, we're over, it's done. But, of course, really, really inside of me, I still have hope that we can fix our marriage. I don't Mm -hmm. say that to him, but I'm pretty sure he knows what's going on. And then on Mm -hmm. his side, he he hasn't told his family. He hasn't, um, he tells me he loves me. I mean, yeah, he loves me, that he misses me, that there's a lot of things that we have to talk about, but he is still with her and he's mm-hmm. telling me that she is leaving like in November to work someplace else and I I told him that's great and have a happy life but mm-hmm. 
I still I still want to have hope. Uh, mm-hmm. I still want to talk, but I feel like a donna. Like this is not gonna help me, my marriage. I mean, I feel a little disappointed about how he is treating me. Yeah. And I don't know what to do with this information. Well, Debbie, it sounds to me like you're a very strong person. Do you feel strong? I do. I do feel strong. Good. Good. I'm glad you do, because when people are confident and, and calm, and you sound both of those confident and calm, they tend to make wiser decisions. They tend to do better things. And so uh, I'm happy that you are that strong and that you're confident and that you're calm. And so the question I'm hearing you ask is, what do you do next? Or is that the specific question? Or is there one more specific than that you're asking me, Debbie? Yes, like, yes, exactly. That's the question. Okay. Well, if I heard you correctly, he has made plans, or at least told you that he's making plans that he's going to move on. Is that, is that what I heard you say? Did I hear that right? Yes. He has plans to, uh, I mean, she is moving. Uh, they are oh, living together moving. right now, and mm-hmm. she is moving. So okay, so she's moving. Is he planning on trying to come back with you when she moves, or is he planning on going with her? He hasn't said anything. He hasn't okay. said anything about that. Okay. All right. So what if she leaves and he says, "I want to come home"? What will you do? I will accept that. Actually, she did say that, now that I remember, she did say, you know, that I want to be alone. But in the, in the meantime, she is with her, as we mm-hmm. speak. So, she broke up with me. She said, mm-hmm. I'm working out with you because I want to be alone. But really what she's doing, because people have been telling me they are living together, so... Mm-hmm. Like he is contradicting himself, but okay. he's still keeping me like with the hope of you know like I'm alone. I just want time for myself, and then let's talk afterwards. Like I'm not going to know that she is with her. You know, like she's taking me out mm-hmm. of school. Okay, but he has not asked to be able to come home at any point. Is that correct? No, not at all. Okay. No. Okay. So, Debbie, it sounds like like, what's up to you as to what you're going to do is is you're going to have to make the decision because it appears that he's making Mm -hmm. none, that he's not telling you the truth about everything. Like, I'm living alone Mm -hmm. when you know he's living with her. And so uh, you can always – have you ever listened to this thing, this audio that we did? You can find it on our website. It's called The uh, Definitive Guide to Boundaries. Have you ever listened to that by any chance? No, I haven't. Well, I'm going to recommend that to you. If you go to our website, marriagehelper.com, that's marriagehelper, marriagehelper.com, there's a little search engine up at the top. If you type in the definitive guide, well, at least type in the word boundaries. You can find it there. Type in the word boundaries. And, mm-hmm. and it's about an hour and 15 minutes where I go through in detail, and which much more than I can do here, obviously, in detail about the kind of boundaries that you can set. Because sometimes, mm-hmm. Debbie, sometimes people will do what you let them do. Now, I hear you being a very strong woman. You're not letting him walk on you. But at the same time, mm-hmm. he tends to keep leading you on a little bit, and you're trying to figure out how to, how to respond to that. That's what I'm hearing you say, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm suggesting, I wish I had time to explain it all here, but I'm going to ask if you will, go to our website, com, and and listen to that 
the definitive guide to boundaries mm-hmm. and see if that can give you some insight. And then on a, on a program coming up in the future, like next Monday or the Monday after that or whatever, after you've listened to that, uh-huh. give me a call and we'll talk about that then. How about that? Oh, yes. I, I like your idea. Yes, I like it. Okay. Excellent. Okay. I look forward to hearing from you again. Okay. All righty. Thank you, Dr. Bean. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Debbie, and I hope things work out really well for you. And now we're going to go to the great state of New York right here in the USA and talk to Carol. Hi, Carol. How are you today? Hi, Hi Dr. Joby. Hi, I'm very well. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. How may I help you? Well, Dr. Beam, my husband and I have been separated for approximately three years. I believe it's about three years by now. And um, during this time, I've done like a huge amount of soul searching and internal excavation, let's say, to try Mm -hmm. to figure out what happened, you know, because Mm -hmm. we were very good together. We were married for 17 years and um, we had a really wonderful life. And um, at one point he said to me that he needed space and he didn't want a divorce, but that he didn't want to live with me. And Mm -hmm. that um, one time I had asked him as we were kind of like separating, I said, you know, you don't care to know anything, what's going on in my mind, or you, you don't want to have anything to do with me. Like I was trying to figure out what exactly he wanted. And he Mm -hmm. looked at me and he said, I want you to live independent of me. Mm -hmm. And like, I was just kind of like floating this around and around, and I finally figured out three years later what had happened. And what I wanted to ask you is that when is it the right time for me to tell him that I finally, not finally, but that I have come to see my participation in, let's say, the deterioration of the marriage? Mm-hmm. So, Carol, may I ask you a question about that? What sure. what do you expect that to accomplish? Well, I want him to know that number one, I understand that it takes two people to have a good relationship or a bad relationship, and that um, mm-hmm. I, I understand how I became heavy in the relationship. Right. Okay. But what do you I hope was, to accomplish by it? What do you expect it to do? Well. I'm the type of person I like to put everything on the table because I think that um, because he told me he didn't want a divorce and that one day he says he wants to grow old with me and, you know, whatever and all of that. So I think that it's kind of like just to let him know where I'm at. Now, okay, so I it's just a matter of like, you wanting to clear your conscience, or is it a matter of you hoping that somehow it opens a dialogue that could potentially put you guys back together? Which of those two would it be? Well, I would guess it's both, you know, because on the one hand, I, I was totally codependent. Like, I lived my life through him, and I think I got mm-hmm. heavy, you know, in that. Okay. Like, I totally can see it now, you know. So in these three years of separation, has he developed a relationship with anybody else? Yes, um, there has been at least one person that I know of, but there could be multiple. I'm not sure, but it's not like it was like a big love affair. I think it was more like a physical distraction, let's say. 
So if you were after three years, now I understand if you want to clear your conscience, like I just need to let him know that I got it. I understand if that's your whole goal, if that were your entire purpose here, I would say that makes sense. And if he will listen, if he will listen, that can be a big guess there. But if he would listen, then yeah, clear your conscience. But I don't know. Of course, I don't know. I'm, I'm not God. I don't know that bringing that up now and telling him that will necessarily create an environment to opening dialogue that might lead you guys back together. Unless, unless you're already having good conversations where that you do have a decent relationship with each other. Do you? Well, it's kind of interesting. I would say not really, but the only thing, like he lives in Europe right now and I'm in Mm -hmm. New York. Um, and the only communication what we generally have is regarding our finances because we mm-hmm. still have our joint accounts. Like everything is completely as if we were married. Right. So, gotcha. Um, okay. So I understand you're not having a lot of communication right now. I got that. Most not like a business. lot of And so if Carol, you, you tell him this and it doesn't open up a dialogue that could potentially put you back together, how would you feel about the fact that you did it? Well, I I think I would feel good because, like, I'm so happy that I discovered, like, from my side, what, how I got so convoluted. And I'm so happy to kind of, like, be coming out of that. Like, I feel like I'm good. finally climbing out of the pit of despair, let's say. That's good for you. So, That's like, I'm very pleased for that. And I feel now I can finally begin to, you know, pick up my life and, you know, whatever awesome. is going to happen, I know I'm going to be okay, you know. Good. I'm glad. That's that's good. That's strong. That's a definitely good place to be. And so, Carol, you know, here's here's my recommendation. You do what you think is best. I I can't make your decisions just as uh, and you know I can't know what I try. But my suggestion is this: if if you'll feel good about it, if it doesn't open dialogue, but you'll still feel good about it because you're letting him know who you are now, and that's important to you then I don't see what you have to lose. Just be aware and careful about this, Carol, because of the fact that your interaction with each other now is primarily business, you know, financial things and stuff like that. You need to ask yourself one really important question before you start. And that's this, how will you feel if he reacts negatively to it? In other words, if he says something like, yeah, right. Or if he says something like, well, that's just three years too late. Or if he says, I don't care. If he says anything that's negative, just ask yourself beforehand, think that through, because if you're saying it to let him know who you are, where you are, kind of a clearing of your conscience, if you will, a statement of maturity. Hey, I've graduated to a different level in life. And if he reacts in some positive way, even if it doesn't open dialogue, then that's a good thing for you. But what if he reacts negatively? Now, think that through. If that's going to hurt you, if that's going to do damage to you, then it may not be worth the risk. But if you think, well, that's not his nature, and even if he were to do that, I think I'd be okay because I'm still making my statement of graduation to another level of life, then go for it. But just be aware that not only may it not have positive consequences, it could potentially have negative consequences. I hope that it has positive. I truly hope that it has positive. And then we're going to go to the state of New York and talk to Al. Hi, Al. How are you today? How you doing, Dr. Joe Beam? How, how are you guys? I am rocking and bopping, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, yesterday was one of the greatest days of my life. 
Um, you guys took a you guys took a journey with me, and you basically saved my life. There was other key people in my life, my mom and some other people. But uh, I found you guys after finding out that my wife was having a limerence relationship uh, last October. I had a gut feeling, and I did what I wasn't supposed to do. I ended up taping something in the car, and I heard what was going on with her at work. Hmm. And the whole thing was the whole thing was uh, you know uncovered. And it seemed like we had a slow, a slow leak in our marriage over the last three years. We had a problem with my son from my first marriage, but mm-hmm. it was like a blended family and made some difficult problems. And I had some financial problems at work and I guess I became distant and my wife, uh, she reacted and she let someone in to our life at work. Mm-hmm. It was, it was totally, totally emotional. I heard on conversations that they never consummated it with sex she was mm-hmm. kind of filling a void that we lost. Um, she was my best friend. She was my soulmate. And then it, cr- mm-hmm. it crushed me. And I found you guys actually on YouTube. And I studied and listened to every video religiously and all your advice. And then I decided to become a client of you guys. And I was blessed with getting who I call my guardian angel, Melanie, uh, that works yeah. for you. And uh, I actually yeah. called. She is she's an angel. Every single thing, I couldn't wait for her, her phone calls and her therapy sessions with me mm. because every time she'd give me advice, she was so spot on that things that she would say would happen, happened. She just, she just knows her craft so well. I guess that's a testament to all of you. And uh, something really special happened. I've been praying like crazy and I did my pies and I want to tell all your listeners and anyone that's listening that that's the most important thing. I know it's mm-hmm. hard and we get caught up in the other person, but I became mm-hmm. the best person I could be. I became a, a better dad. Um, I physically, so Al, I you physically said something great happened yesterday. I can't wait anymore. I got to hear. What was the great thing that All happened right. yesterday? Well, well, my wife was supposed to get a big surgery last October, but with COVID, it postponed everything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she had she has Crohn's disease, so she had the surgery about a week ago. And she was still kind of on and off with the other guy, and we were legally separated. I was living in the back of my carriage house. We weren't living in the same home. We planned mm-hmm. to get legally separated. We planned to sell the house. And, but I was still in love with her. I was still trying. Mm-hmm. And she had the operation. She came home. My mother-in-law drove her home, and I opened up the door for her, and I started to get her out of the car. Mm-hmm. And she said at that particular moment, she looked at me, and she realized that I was home. And she mm-hmm. got very emotional. Uh, I proceeded to take care of her the next three, four, five days, mm-hmm. and I did so. And then we just got close. And about four Good. nights ago, there was a, there was a kiss that was the greatest oh, kiss of my life. <laughs> and uh, I'm happy for yeah. you, my friend. But what happened yesterday? The excitement, the the, the suspense yes, is killing yes, me. So what happened yesterday? Yesterday, yesterday, I walked her outside to get a little exercise, and I knew we were getting close, and we were been holding hands. And she looked at me, and she said, "I just, I just want to try." She goes, I love you, and I realize that you're home, and uh, we're going to come to your workshop. Uh, Awesome. We talked last night till 3 o'clock in the morning about what we liked and what we didn't like and what happened, and there were some things I didn't want to really hear, but I heard them, and uh, you know, we're going to build this house on a real steady foundation, and and every prayer that I've been praying for came true yesterday. My wife wife made the turnaround. That's so exciting, and, uh, my friend. So which which workshop yeah. are you going to attend? Well, I would like to come to Nashville, but with this whole epidemic, I'm not sure we have to do it virtual. 
But um, I tell you, the online workshop is just as effective, if not more so. And uh, okay. I'm a little bit I'm a little bit uh, selfish here because I do the online workshops, and so if you decide to do that one, I get to be in there with you. And, oh, and uh, awesome. I'll, I'll eventually turn the online workshops over to the other guys. They keep telling me we're ready, Dr. Beam, we're ready. And I'm keep, but I like it so much, I keep doing it. And right. so if you enroll for one of the online workshops, you know, relatively soon, it'll give me a chance to be with you. And I, I want to meet that would, bride I, of yours. I want to meet you. I, I, would, okay. I would love that. I would love that. Just, just cool. one, if I could just ask one quick question. Um, we said we were going to take it slow. And I've been, like I said, reading mm-hmm. and researching. For the next mm-hmm. few weeks, two, three, four weeks, should we just be just enjoying each other and not talking yes. about things right now and just loving each other? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Do okay. you have any more sessions lined up with Melody? Um, texted this morning the great news because I wanted her to actually be the first person and mm-hmm. I said to her after about a week or so mm-hmm. I will I will um call her to keep her abreast because mm-hmm. she said, Just take it slow. She goes, She's so proud of me. She said, Where you were Eight months ago, she said, you're just a different person. She's so proud of me. Well, if you have some more sessions, if you have some more sessions scheduled with her, tell her that you want to ask her that you want her to lead the two of you through what we call the E-System of Reconciliation. Now, we're making videos for that, but they won't be out for a few weeks. But right now, she can guide you through that. She's heard me teach it several times. And so if you you have more sessions with her, say, can you spend a little time with my wife and me? But for the next two or three weeks, yeah, enjoy each other. Don't don't push anything. Don't get too heavy right now. Okay. Great, hey Al, great, great, I'm, great. I'm happy for you, and I'm happy you're working with her. Thank you, my Dr. friend. You Joe, take Dr. care. Dr. Joe, Dr. Joe, you got you guys saved my marriage and saved my life. I was such an adult place, and I want everyone to know out there: as long as you work on yourself, there's always, always hope. I was I was the worst you could be, and I'm sure everyone else feels the same. But I, I'm I'm a I'm a miracle, and and then everyone else can have that same miracle. Just keep working. And uh, mm. God, God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love hearing stories like that. And of course, all of you guys listening have to know this. We didn't save his marriage. He did. We teach. We teach all kinds of principles. We help people understand all kinds of things. And and just let me give you a little bit about our coaching. He's been working with one of our coaches. Um, he said therapy, and I know that's what he was thinking, but understand that our coaches don't do therapy. I just need all you guys out there to understand that they're marriage coaches. They are not therapists. They're not counselors. And they'll help you think things through. They will not tell you what to do, but they'll ask you questions, and they'll help you think about what could be happening, what's going to happen next, those kinds of things. And and so if uh, if you want to call in, in our office and line up with Melody, it's the one he's talking about. Uh, she's, we have good coaches. She is one of our coaches that works with me a lot in the things that we do. And so you can call our office toll free at, uh, let's see, what is that number? 903. No, no, no. I'm talking, let me get it again. It's 866-903-0990. That's 866-903-0990. And you can ask one of our client representatives and say, Hey, I heard Al in New York talk about this great coach he worked with. And I want to work with her or any of our other coaches, if you wish. Okay, and now we're going to go over to New Hampshire again, but with a different caller. Is it pronounced Saba? Is that how you pronounce your name? Uh, no, it's Saba. Hi, Dr. Jobin. How are you? I'm fine. Saba, forgive me for mispronouncing your name. How may I help you today? That's fine. I love your channel, though. Um, so I'm going to be real quick. I don't want to spend too much, uh, waste too much of your time, because I know there are a lot of callers waiting. So um, I'm not going to hold you up much. So basically, I came to the States in 2017. Um, I got married, 
And then um, last year, he forced me to leave the house separated for 10 months. And then um, I don't know what happened. And, um, uh, and then last year, he wanted me to sign the divorce papers. I said no. Um, and then you obviously filed last year. And then I, in order to slow things down, cross-filed. And then uh, I went into no contact since February. I've been working on my pies. I've been trying to do everything that I can. I've been holding on because I have no family here. I'm just trying to make sure that, you know, I can make things better. We had the mediation, and uh, he, which failed miserably because he decided to go to court, which is kind of surprising for me because he's the one who wanted to get out of it ASAP. So um, first of all, I have two questions. Number one, am I on the right track? towards getting him back um, because I didn't sign the divorce papers and I basically want to slow things down by, by, by cross-filing. Otherwise, I could have just filed and walked away, you know. Second question, I, I have the, we have the temporary hearing, you know. Sorry? Oh, I'm, I'm listening. Mm -hmm. Right. Second question, I have the temporary hearing in a month's time, and uh, I do plan on catching him outside as a last ditch effort to ask him to reconsider reconciliation. Is it worth mm -hmm. it? Thank you. Okay. May I ask you a question, Saba? Why are you doing no contact? I'm not doing no contact, Dr. Joe Beam. I'm not ignoring him. He's not talking to me. I see. Okay, I'm just looking at what's written here on my screen, and it says, am I doing the right thing by staying in no contact? So you didn't say that. You, you're not in no contact. You're having some contact with each other. Is that correct? There is no contact. I tried contacting him um, the last time in February. He's the one who did not answer my last phone call. After that, okay. um, he didn't talk to me, and I cross-filed. So I haven't been in touch with him since February. Sometime in the middle, okay. I did send him a message because he had my mail. He did not respond to that. Okay, good. I misunderstood what was on my screen here. And so the no contact's occurring, not because Sorry. you're having no contact, but because he's having no contact. Okay. Now, now Correct. that I've gotten that straight, now that I've gotten that cleared up in my mind, because that was confusing me, ask me those two questions again now that I've got this straight in my head. So am I, the, the fact that I've, cross-filed and the fact that I didn't sign the divorce papers and the fact that we had the mediation and he's the one who's not taking me to court. Um, I, I, I want to know that the, what am I, am I doing the right thing here? Because I am not in a way, not letting go. My main, I don't wish this divorce to happen. My main mm -hmm. aim was to slow things down and mm -hmm. he's not talking to me, but not because I don't want to talk to him. He's not gotcha. talking to me. So how is it I that I, what I, what is it that I can do to save this marriage? And second, I do want to, there's a chance that I catch him outside sometime this week. Is it okay if I approach him as a last ditch effort? Thank you, Dr. Dr. Jobing. Okay. Well, Saba, I, I think anytime that you want to approach him, just be careful about this. If he's not even returning your phone calls, if he's not trying to talk to you at all, then be, anticipate the fact that if you do approach him, he may react negatively. Now, if you can deal with that, if you can handle that, okay? Like, for example, if you walked up to him to start a conversation, and if he snubs you, if he turns his back to you, if he walks away, or even worse, if he says something unkind or mean to you, then anticipate that that's very possible, and particularly because of the fact that he's not communicating with you at all. So at least understand that possibility. So if you want to try 
sure, you can try. Just understand that it may not turn out very well for you. Now, if somebody were to ask me, well, I'm going to continue to try to approach him. I'm going to keep doing it, keep doing it, even though he's reacting negatively to me, then we would say, well, no, we recommend you not do that because that's not smart contact. Smart contact basically says if the other person is rebuffing you, if the other person is rejecting you, then you just typically make things worse by continuing to try to contact them. But that's not what you're describing here. And then the other question that you asked when you said, okay, did I do the right thing by dragging things out? Saba, you have the right to be represented. You have a right to have an attorney. You have a right to cross file if you wish, all those kinds of things. Now, it sounds as if it's not accomplishing the goal that you had. If the goal was, and you said it was, you didn't want a divorce. You want the marriage to work out. Then it appears, based on what you're telling me, that it didn't do that for you. Did that make it the wrong thing to do? No, not necessarily, not at all. If indeed you have an attorney and that attorney is defending your rights, making sure that you get what is deserving of you. And I didn't have a chance to ask if you had children, but if you get children, if you have those, then it, we often tell people, rather than just giving in to what the other person wants, you may want to go ahead and get an attorney, get yourself represented to make sure that everything works out fairly for you. Will the other person see that as a push? And the answer is yes, almost always they will. But it's the kind of push that people often need to do because they're not doing it out of vengeance. They're not doing it out of meanness. They're doing it out of protecting their own needs, their own desires. Well, more needs than desires. And so doing that, would I ever say that's wrong? No, no, I wouldn't say that was wrong at all. It just appears in what you're describing here that it may not work for you. And, and I'm so sad for that. You sound like a very strong woman and, and I hope your marriage doesn't end. I really do. But if it does, and I realize you said you're alone here, you don't really have anybody. Uh, I would recommend that you start going places where you can make friends. If you're a religious person, go to church. Maybe you can meet some friends there. If, if you, uh, don't work outside the home, then find a job and doing something that you like doing so you can start making some friends there. I wouldn't want you to be alone, Saba. I just wouldn't want you to be alone. And then we're going to go to Nebraska, and we're going to go to Justin. Justin, how are you today? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Okay. How may I help you, my friend? Um, today is, I guess... I've followed you guys on and off. Um, my wife is actually going to have, uh, her attorneys to pick up uh, papers to serve me for divorce today. Hmm. Um, found out, and she told me on a trip um, that she was talking to someone. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we've been having troubles, as we discussed yesterday, for three years. Um, I admitted that I've become, you know, that I had become complacent. Um, just a quick backstory, just to say, and we have a, a six-year-old, and he, uh, after everything with that, we were not intimate for a year plus. A couple of years later, we have another one, so three years ago, roughly. Um, it's been almost four years since any sort of intimacy with my wife. Um, a year and a half. Two, two and a half years ago, I made a mistake because I was tired of being rejected and asking. I tried to see her in the bathroom. She saw it and got upset and kicked me out for a while, but I violated her privacy. 
and that really caused the rift. So I came, I moved to my parents for a couple of weeks, came back home, you know, apologized. I ended up went to go to counseling to work on myself, try to get her to come. Um, you know, and my point was, is that I missed my wife. I was lonely. Any sort of attention, you know, even just right. trying to see her body so what, was what I was What reason, missing. Justin, is she giving for wanting to divorce you? What is she saying that is the reason for that? Because, A, she's having an affair with this guy now for almost a year. Um, uh, like I said, I found out, I found actual physical stuff that she had a pregnancy test in, a, in the closet. And I found out all hmm. sorts of stuff since then. But um, yeah. she wants to be happy that I chose my extent. We've been together for 15 years, married for seven. Um, but that I, I had always chose my extended family over her was one of the reasons mm-hmm. she gave yesterday that I became complacent. But during those two years where I was back in the home after I made the mistake that, you know, caused the big rift, um, she, she wouldn't want to eat with me. She wouldn't want to be around me. She, she got mad at my parents she wouldn't go to any family functions. I mean, so like she had nothing to do with anything and she would sit at home and then she blames me for her sitting at home and not being around anything. And she's a product so she of has emotionally isolated yourself for years now, correct? Yeah. And nobody okay. knows this. I mean, there's ideas that there's stuff going on, but nobody knows about her affair. Nobody knows yeah. about other than me. Nobody knows about what's coming. Um, right. So, cause okay. I kept it under wraps. Okay, that makes sense. But if I, I heard pretty clearly that she's emotionally separated herself from you for some length of time. And even you just trying to get a glimpse of your wife unclothed was, as far as she mm-hmm. was concerned, some kind of a major, terrible, evil thing. That's what I'm yes. hearing you say, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think I've got a picture here. So what specifically is your question, Justin? How may I help you, my friend? My question, and I kind of heard it earlier, and I know that one of the callers said earlier, I mean, so she's serving the papers. This has been going to be happening since the first of the year. We waited till after the holiday, she said, but now we're here we are in July and she's finally mm-hmm. going to go get the papers. Is it too yeah. late to start working on the pies or working on myself? Is no. it too far down the tracks to try no, to. My friend, it's never too late because you see pies as you becoming, you work yourself physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, you becoming the best you that you can be. Now, we, we are in the marriage business. We try to help people salvage their marriage. That's what we're here for. But we understand that sometimes that's not going to happen. So think about it like this, Justin. I really wish that things would work out, but not just that you stay married, but that you can be intimate with each other again. In other words, have a real, true, loving marital relationship. But if, if God forbid, that doesn't happen, and we hope it does, we're on your side, but if God forbid that doesn't happen, the reason it's not too late to start working on the pies and all those kinds of things that we teach is because if, if she goes through with this, if she winds up marrying that other guy, and I truly hope that does not happen, but if that were to occur, you, Justin, by becoming the best you that you can be, first of all, becomes the biggest deterrent of her actually marrying that other guy, because the better you that you can become, the better you that you can become, the more likely it is that she might, turn back towards you. I can't guarantee that she will, but the more likely it will occur. The second thing is, if she were to proceed through this, divorce you and marry the other guy, there's a principle out there that we just call like attracts like. And so by you becoming the best guy you can be is good for you. 
And we would never say, Justin, that you do that just to get her back. Because if you work on those things just to get her back and she doesn't react the way you want her to, then you'll stop doing it. And that's not good. That's not good for you at all. And so we're saying, "Mm -mm, don't do it for her. Do it for you, no matter how she responds. And it's the most likely way you heard that previous caller a few minutes ago where he said uh, was, his name was Al from New York. And he said, working on the pies, it really works. And for us, it led to a miracle. Well, I hope it does for you, too. But if it doesn't, it still makes your life better from now on. You become the best you can be, Justin. And and if you decide at some point to get another companion, if this marriage fails, which we all hope it doesn't. It's the best thing you can do for you, for your, for this situation. And if God forbid this one doesn't work out for the next one. And so it's never, ever too late. I mean, if you're walking out of the divorce court with a divorce decree in hand and, and having that decree and you showed it to me and say, Hey, Joe, is it too late to start working on the pies? I'd say, no, no, it's never too late to start working on the pies. If you were 82 years old and say, hey, is it too late to start working on the pies? I'd say, no, it's helping you become the best that you can be. And so everybody, remember, if you want to find out more about that, you can go to piesuniversity.com, P-I-E-S, university, all one word, dot com. And you look there for the podcast. Uh, It all starts with attraction. And you can find a lot of interesting and helpful things there. And so now we're going to go to the state of Indiana and talk to Tasha. Hi, Tasha. How are you? Hello. How are you? I'm good. I am rocking and bopping. How may I help you, my friend? Well, I have a question about um, when you find something. Okay, so I went snooping. Um, And I am aware, my husband told me about three years ago, it's been nearly maybe going on three years ago that he lost his wedding ring, but I just found it. Hmm. And so I found it twice. I found it in one place and then he moved it and and it's in another place. Um, I found his ring before I found out about his affair. He's been in in an affair for since um, October of last year. Um, And to my knowledge, it's still going on. Um, We are currently, we're actually going to your workshop this Friday. Um, But I, I feel I feel a little uh I have anxiety about the issues uh, coming up especially I I know that he just had a birthday and and his uh, affair partner got him a necklace and mm. I've seen like the birthday card and he's holding on to those as a matter of fact he was hiding it for a long time and then he wore it one day he, he sings with his brothers and he he wore it to one of their uh uh, concert uh, one day he came home in it and I recognized it and asked him about it and he lied about it and mm-hmm. so I, I don't think he has any intentions on being honest about it or getting rid of it to see it mm-hmm. land on the dresser really kills me every time I look at it but um but to know that he you know about his ring and other things and he's just not being a, a, a honest person I just mm-hmm. um I'm I'm just curious uh, I, I really, I anxiously want to know why he's hiding his ring and mm-hmm. what he's going to do about the, the gifts that he got from her. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of talks as if he wants our, we go back and forth, uh, like our intimacy has like spiked. I didn't mean for that to happen. I was just trying to keep everything calm. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm just trying to keep things calm until we get to the workshop. But okay. I feel like I have given myself physically more than I intended to. And oh, you probably I have. feel like it's, gosh, 
Yeah, so I don't Dr. know. Dr. Reeve, I may ask I, Tasha. I is, have a is question about organ, that. Is that an organ I hear behind you? I'm just curious. I hear some kind of music. I'm, yeah, I'm it's now curious as to what it is. <laughs> it's just okay. some, soft, some soft music. That's I was just music. hoping that I wasn't having a stroke or something, you know, <laughs> that I could <laughs> no really jokes. hear some music out there. Here's my recommendation <laughs> to you, my friend. I certainly understand you're not being happy about that. I wouldn't be either if I were you. But my recommendation is this. Don't do anything, because this is Tuesday, and this workshop starts Friday. Give us our right. chance to help. Now, I'm, I'm leading that particular workshop, personally. I'm doing it myself. And so uh, I would strongly recommend, and, of course, it's your decision. You can make your decisions about life, whatever they are. You sound to me like a woman that knows what she wants. But why do anything right now, when you're just a couple of days away from the workshop, that might stop him from attending the workshop. Give well, us, give us I don't want to do anything. Good. I, I, like, I don't want to do anything right now. I'm just curious. I don't know if I have the opportunity to say something. So I thought I would take today to say, because um, I can't say at the workshop, you know, so I know about his wedding ring. When can mm-hmm. I bring this up? Like, I, yeah. I, just, I would I'm recommend just so that you don't. That. <laughs> I, I recommend that you don't say it at not. the workshop. <laughs> But see, when we get to the workshop, what we do, Tasha, is, is we cover so much information in those three days that that you're going to learn a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of things about relationships. And so will he, whether he wants to or not, okay. because of the fact we keep going over this information and we try to make it very applicable to everybody and understand. And you'll have a much better idea after the workshop about how you address these things. And, you know, how much of yourself do you give? How do you make sure you don't get walked on? All those kinds of things. You'll have a whole lot better idea after the workshop. And so my recommendation is right now, just chill if you can. And let's get to the workshop. It's going to be all day Friday, all day Saturday, most of the day on Sunday. And after that, after that, if you want to call me next Monday and say, okay, I was there. Then I'll be glad to take your call then. But right now, I'm saying just just get to the workshop, okay? Okay. Can I ask one okay. more quick question about yes, intimacy? Is mm-hmm. it um like I said, our our intimacy has has spiked um um in the past maybe like months. Um, mm-hmm. Could you, if and if you if your if your spouse is still involved with someone else? Um, could you should should you kind of monitor like do that in moderation? Um, as to not like give them the uh, what do you, know, you want to do? Gosh, it's okay, I guess. When you when you have, when you make love with him, what do you want to do? I really think that I I think I enjoy it so much because I I have his attention at that moment. At least it, at least it appears that way. I have his attention, and it's and it's 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 fun for me. It's fun for him. I really just try to look at that at that time. It's just us have enjoying our time together and not so much we're making love. It doesn't feel like that anyway. Okay. So, but, but you're being fulfilled. It's doing something for you. Well, you're married. And if you want to do that and it's doing something for you, that's fine. The only time I would recommend mm-hmm. against it is if you think that's going to be some kind of a magic thing that's going to make him straighten right. up and do right. As long as you're not counting okay. on it being a magic pill, then I'd say if you're enjoying it and it's fulfilling you, you're married to the guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's more so me and how, how I feel about it. Absolutely. Less than what he's, I understand. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Got it. And I look forward to meeting you Friday morning, okay? Thank you. 
Okay, Tasha, you take care of yourself. Uh, she sounds like a very delightful lady. I really, really like talking to people like that. Okay, now this is going to be an interesting question. Uh, when I earned my PhD, my doctorate degree at University of Sydney in Australia, uh, let me brag just a little bit, if I may. Sydney was just uh, its consistently in the top 50 universities in the world, and it was just rated number 40 in the world. So bragging on my alma mater there where I got my doctorate. But I got my doctorate studying marital satisfaction and sexual satisfaction. And so I think this next question is going to be about sex. I'm looking forward to that. We're talking to Clinton in Pennsylvania. Hi, Clinton. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Rocking and bopping, my friend. What may I do for you? Yes. So um, my wife and I have been married. It'll be five years in August. Mm -hmm. Um, We are legally separated right now. Uh, Back in November, she brought an issue up that she, she started going out, you know, staying out till three in the morning. Um, mm. So that brought a lot of issues up where she said she hasn't felt sexual chemistry between the two of us. Mm. Um, and she said she's never, she never has felt it with me. Um, so let me just ask yeah, we've been together for nine years. Let me ask you a question. Okay. So when, when you first started making love to each other, did you think she got into it, that it was fulfilling and exciting for her? Thinking back, um, I mean, we first started dating nine years ago. Not quite. No, okay. there was always something missing, but we never, we never really pinpointed it until just this past November. Okay, and what did you pinpoint? Uh, she, she basically told me that she doesn't, feel like sexual attraction. Um, it's always me initiating it. You know, she never really initiates mm-hmm. those actions. Do you know anything about her sexual history before you? Anything at all? Yeah, I feel like I know majority of it. Um, was it, was it negative? Admit, okay. I mean, negative experiences, as far as you know, positive. And I mean, what do you know, generally speaking? From what she told me, she was with, um, uh, her previous partners that she's never had, she's enjoyed it with, with them. But for some reason that she doesn't with me, she doesn't have that um, connection about this. Nine years, nine years. And she says she never had a connection with you, but she did with them. If that's the case, then the, you, know, you have to bet begs the question. Then why would you be there for nine years? Something doesn't sound right. What I'm trying to tell you, my friend. Okay. That's what we've so, been going through. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what we've been going through is just something doesn't sound right. She doesn't understand it and I don't understand it. <laughs> but it's kind of an interesting thing, Clint, that that when people get into a certain mindset, a certain frame, then they start rewriting history. Okay? And and they'll they they honestly believe the rewritten history that's in their head. Now, this thing after 3 a.m. in the morning, any idea what she's been doing out there? There was there was one guy every single time that she was with. Um, okay. She said she was looking for attention. Uh, you know, she was having fun. Mm-hmm. And things just went downhill real quick after we had that, that chemistry talk, basically. Mm-hmm. So is she with him now? No, she never has been. Um mm-hmm. But it turned into lying. She was lying about where she was, who she was with. Yeah. And, you know, I, I 
eventually, you know, four or five months of that, I just kind of had enough of it. Yeah. So as far as you know, though, that she's not in a relationship with him right now? No, I, I really don't think she is. Okay. And so she was chasing sex? I don't even, I don't think it was that. I think it was attention. Okay. Did she, okay. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to want to ask some questions that are going to hurt your feelings. And I don't want to do that <clears throat> uh, because of the fact that she, it sounds like that she's been saying things to hurt your feelings. So for example, that she say she was sexually fulfilled with that guy in a way that she couldn't be with you or think anything like that. No, I've asked her <clears throat> if she's had any other sexual partners and she says no. Um, well, that last guy, the one that she was going out to three o'clock with. Yeah, that that was the the same guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. Did did she say that she was cons- sexually chemistry compatible with him? Is that what she said? No. She just said he was fun to be around. Um Okay. Okay. And so, so, am I understanding your, your question to be whether or not you can create sexual chemistry if she says it's not there? Is that the question, or is there something else you're asking? Yeah, that, that's my main question, because that's what we – through our whole relationship, there's been a lot of sexual rejection. Um, by her. Which has led me to – yeah, by her, which has led me to, you know, kind of I, – I would go to bed like – angry um mm-hmm. and you know that kind of had made me have a little bit of negative feelings towards her mm-hmm. um and then things just kind of snowballed over the years where it just never got better we have a great mm-hmm. relationship outside of sex like we get along in every aspect mm-hmm. well this thing they call sexual yeah. chemistry clinton basically is chemical what i mean by that is certain certain uh um, I'm, I'm going wrong here. Uh, certain elements are produced by the brain, like dopamine, things like that. And and that when these chemicals are produced by the brain, they tend to draw people to each other. And that's why it's called chemistry, because they're actually chemicals that occur. But any couple, any couple that's been together for two years or so, okay, if they've been making love to each other for two years or so, typically will uh, reach a kind of a sexual plateau. And, and at that point, it's called sexual habituation. And sexual habituation is, you know, we're kind of used to each other. And when that happens, when that happens, a couple of things change at that point is although for you, it may have changed beforehand. And one is that the frequency decreases and the other is the repertoire decreases. In other words, people don't do as many things as they did before. And so the fact that you've been together nine years, even if you had been sexually totally excited with each other at the outset it would be highly unlikely that you are now. So this thing called sexual chemistry tends to ebb, if you will. And, and so Barry McCarthy, for example, Dr. McCarthy is an expert when it comes to sexual um, research. He's a researcher of, of magnificent proportions. He's also a sex therapist. And Barry is a friend, and he points out that once you get two or three years into the marriage, that probably about 85% of the sex that occurs between a husband and wife is just okay. It's just okay. And, and that only if you really go to great lengths, can you make it be something beyond that? And so when you describe what you're describing to me, I'm saying, okay, after, after nine years, we wouldn't expect it to be a lot of 
chemistry there, sexually speaking. And therefore, if you're saying, okay, then how can I create it at this point? The only way you could do it, and it would be relatively short-lived, is if you did something totally unusual. Like, okay, we're going to make love on the top of the Eiffel Tower or something. I mean, you do something that's unexpected, that's a, uh, that she wouldn't think about, you wouldn't think about, and it's going to be associated with flair and maybe head of danger and things like that. So solving your solution here or solving your problem here is not going to be by creating sexual chemistry unless you want a short-term solution. It's going to be somehow working on the relationship itself. But what I'm hearing you say is that that's actually pretty good, right? Um, I had I asked her to move out in April, so it's been that oh. long since we've been okay. together. But our whole relationship has been good. Like we, you know, we mm-hmm. same interests. We travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Like things just okay. We we just get it's along so, really well. Okay. Well. I wouldn't know how to tell you how to create sexual chemistry now unless, like I just said, you do some very unique and unusual things, and that can create short-term sexual chemistry. But the fact is you're used to each other, and that's why that sexual chemistry is not going to be there like it would with two people who just met. Okay. If, if indeed, if she could become comfortable with the fact of having passion in a different way, Developing passion that's not so much about what happens in the bedroom, but passion about what happens in the way you share life with each other. Like you said, you travel together, you've been places together, that kind of passion. Like, wow, we got to see this sunset together and and it was really a wonderful thing. Uh, Wow, I haven't seen you for a week and I really, really miss you, that kind of thing. But I don't know any way to create sexual chemistry other than for short term. Now, if, if that's that important to her, my guess is that what she's seeking, she's not going to find for very long because you said, okay, you don't even think it was sex with this other guy. You think it was about getting attention. Well, getting attention actually releases chemicals, particularly in a new relationship. Okay. Particularly in a new relationship, it can create some chemicals. If, if not the kind of chemicals that make one feel love or feel loved, at least the kind of chemicals that make one feel excited. And if that's what she's chasing, if that's what she's going after, she's going to have to keep going from one relationship to another, to another, to another, because that's not going to last very long at all. And I'm so sorry. I am so very sorry about that. Then we're going to go over to Alaska and we're going to talk to Jean. Hi, Jean. How are you? Hi, Dr. Beam. Thanks so much for, for, answer, for picking my question one more time. Okay. Oh, did I talk to you earlier already? Yeah, I told you about how uh, my wife told the court that I'm an awful dad, and uh, I, I really loved your advice. I, I implemented it, and I'm really proud of of the of, uh, of what I wrote. Oh, we talked a couple um, of weeks ago. I was thinking I'd click back on the same call I'd called to earlier today, but I remember now. And you were you were asking a question about okay, she and her. Um, uh, filings to the court was saying you're a bad dad and her family was all believing that. And you were trying to, to make up your mind about whether or not you would defend yourself on those things. I remember now, what was it a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, basically I, I just tried my best to illustrate I'm, I'm a good dad and I was, good. I was a good member of our family, but avoided acrimony and, and, um, you know, just 
whatever happens, I'm going to look back on it and say, well, you know, at least I didn't stoke the fire um, while I defended myself. Um, okay. So how many today I have a different question. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I've been learning a lot more about the, the dimension to our marriage crisis and had a very strange conversation with her mother a few weeks ago. She uh, revealed to me that um, the divorce must happen because uh, my my wife spoke with two Kenyan lawyers. Uh, we're both deeply Catholic, and they said, "Oh yeah, the the annulment is certain, and it should it should definitely happen." Okay, wait a minute. Uh, let me make sure I'm hearing this. There were two Catholic lawyers. Is that what you said? The two Canon lawyers, as in um. My wife is planning to go full steam on on getting a Catholic annulment after the the civil divorce is completed. And and the reason these lawyers are saying that she should do that, what's the reason? That's a mystery. I asked her mother that, and she said she obviously couldn't tell me till after the divorce was settled that I'll find out through <laughs> the annulment process, which I thought was underwhelming. Oh, yeah. as a matter of fact, it's just downright. Uh, unkind, uncaring, and unethical, wouldn't you think? Well, uh, when you say it, it makes me feel not crazy, so thank you. Well, <laughs> I can't verify whether you're crazy or not, Gene, but <laughs> you, just like you can't verify whether I'm crazy or not, but it sure sounds stinking to me. Now, I'm trying to remember Catholic theology, and I remember you can get an endowment on a few different things. Uh, you know, there's some specifics there. Um, and you can actually probably Google that and find it if you want to find out which one she's going to accuse you of. But but you could actually Google, you know, Catholic reasons for divorce or something like that that goes within the Catholic religion and, and see what they grant annulments for. So, okay, and so that's happening. I'm sorry, and I'm sorry that, that she's, your, the mother-in-law is talking to you like that. So what can I do for you, my friend? All right, so since uh, I'm, Myself, I'm not convinced that there are grounds for annulments, but mm-hmm. she totally is, it seems. Mm-hmm. This creates a very interesting dimension to our marriage crisis because, in a, in a sense, she's convinced that it's God's will, I suppose, that that we divorce, that we split up our family. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm doing the smart contact, the pies, uh, trying to really think about what motivates me to do things that are detrimental, things that are positive. Hmm. But sh- should I be overly concerned about the fact that she believes uh, that the annulment has to happen, or should I just continue? I do, do it, uh, should I address that in a sense, or should I just continue doing those those uh, things, the smart okay. contact, et cetera? Are, are you, Gene, also a practicing Catholic? Yeah, and we're both like we like to say daily mass Catholics, like take our three year old mm-hmm. children okay. to mass. Yeah, totally. Okay. Then I would first of all I recommend that you talk to a priest. No one that, that you know can be helpful to you there because I I am not a Catholic. I, I am a Christian but I'm not a Catholic Christian and therefore I don't have a lot that I can tell you about that. But only a couple of three times over the over the years have I dealt with people who, because of their religion, were trying to get an annulment. And and in the previous situations that I were, you know, I was pretty close in with those people. The person who was seeking the annulment, it wasn't because they really, really believed that God wanted a divorce, although that's what they were saying. It was because of the fact that they had something else in mind that they wanted to do. Uh, 
And so mm-hmm. I have no way of knowing, I have no way of knowing whether your wife truly believes that. But see, you also have no way of knowing what she told those canon attorneys. I mean, mm-hmm. what she told them, you know, they may believe that, yes, you know, based on what you're saying, but you have no way to know what she said to them, correct? For sure. And and mom won't tell you what it is either. You'll find out when it comes to the annulment. It sounds like mom wants you out of the picture too. Is that right? In a sense, I feel like I got voted off the island. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, my friend. And so my recommendation would be this. You can't really control what happens to that. I, w- I would, if I were you, I would talk to the priest and find out, okay, what can I do in this uh, annulment process? When do I get to present my case? When do I get to tell you what's going on with me? You know, that, and how does that happen? You know, because I'm imagining there's some kind of a process where that occurs. And, and I would recommend that you find out from the priest that you know and that cares about you that you can do that so you'll know when you get your chance. But when it comes to whether or not that's going to change how she feels about you, I don't think so. I think that the people, most of the people I have dealt with in my life that I have worked with with their marriages who say that God wanted them to divorce – it really was not because they truly honestly believed that God wanted them to divorce. It was because of the fact that they were using God as their excuse. And I don't know your wife, and I realize I sound judgmental when I say that, but it's sure possible. It's sure possible that's my, what it might be, that she has found an excuse. And if her family's pushing this, if her family's pushing this, then she might actually buy into it and believe it. But Gene, you still do the same things, my friend. You work on you. You become the best you that you can be. You defend yourself and hope that somehow, some way, that if, if uh, well, it's up to you. You're praying, man. But I'd be praying like this. God messed that up. Whatever this plan is, please insert <laughs> yourself into it and mess it up. And I'm being serious when I say that. I really would. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank okay. you so much for your advice. It really brings me a lot of peace. Okay, Jane, you take care of yourself, my friend. I am a Christian man. I think that's pretty obvious to people. At least I hope it is. <laughs> I don't try to push my religion on other people. I do not. Now, if people ask me about my religion. I am not hesitant. I'm not shy. I'm glad to share what I believe and why I believe. But my friends who are atheists, my friends who are agnostic, my friends who are, are of other major world religions like Islam, Judaism, etc., I think all of them would tell you that, hey, He's, he's a very caring, graceful man, and he doesn't try to condemn other people. I do try to follow God as best I can, but I get really, really angry when people use God to justify trying to destroy a marriage. I mean, I actually have a bachelor's degree in Bible and was close to finishing my master's degree in Bible back in the day, way back in the day before I changed courses in life. And, and therefore, I know a lot about the book. And when I was leaving Alice, when I divorced her back in 1984, I was never one of those people who said, well, God wants me to leave. God sent me this other person. God wants me to do that. And the reason I didn't do that was because I just knew too much about the book. I mean, I had a bachelor's degree in it and almost a master's degree in it. I'd studied it and studied it and studied it. And I couldn't blame God for my decisions and my actions. Now, I'm not trying to be religious here. I'm really not. And if you're not religious, maybe you already turned me off and gone away anyway. I'm just trying to say it really, really, really frustrates me when people use religion and use God in whatever way they understand him 
to try to justify their own selfish motives and actions. Now, I guess that's enough of that soapbox. I have said that. Let me mention again then what we're talking about here. We're talking about people becoming the best they can be. And to do that, work on your pies. And I've mentioned a couple of times in this program. I'm going to mention it again right now. Go to piesuniversity.com. And there's a podcast there. It all starts with attraction. And you can start learning more about how you can become the best you that you can be. And if you want to find out the resources we have where we can help you, then please go to marriagehelper.com or call us at that toll-free number I'll give in just a moment. And and please go to youtube.com slash marriagehelper, one long word, marriagehelper, marriagehelper. And we have hundreds and hundreds of videos there that are free that we hope will be of assistance and help to you. But we ask in return, since all those resources are on YouTube are free to you, please subscribe. Please subscribe. And by doing that, you help us with YouTube, which means it helps us reach more people that we want to help. And that's why we're here. We want to do as much good as we can possibly do, do for as many people as we possibly can. We are not perfect, but we have helped thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And we hope to help you. And in that workshop you heard Tasha refer to a little early in the program, the people that come to that, three out of the four of those couples actually can turn things around and save the marriages. That's been our history or 20, well, let's have it in that particular workshop, 21 years. And we've seen it happen again and again and again. Well, if we can help you, we'd like to. Until then, please check out our website. Call us at 866-903-0990 and talk to one of our client represents and find out what we can do to be of assistance to you. We'd love to help. Okay, I'll be seeing you next Monday, Lord willing, (laughs) since we brought religion up at 1230 Central Time.